Welcome to The Obsession Digression. A podcast that explores all of the cultural things we're obsessed with. I'm Sam Benarchik. And I'm Katie Walker. Hi, uh, Sam. Hey. Ugh. Ugh. You remember when um, we decided to sit on a bunch of episodes because we didn't know when was a good time to release them, and then when I released them, I named them early quarantine, mid-quarantine, yeah. late quarantine? Yeah. Well, I feel pretty stupid about that now. But <laughs> So this is late, late quarantine. This is I mean, post, maybe, maybe, we're, maybe we're in the or middle. Not. Maybe this is just the beginning, or maybe who this is the beginning. Knows. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I. Close my window. Yeah, I. Um, I'm definitely experiencing like the the burnout of of quarantine. Like at first, it was novel and scary, and it's still very scary, and like definitely staying home, of course, but also. Uh, I like, I just miss so many things now that I didn't know I actually uh, enjoyed. Yes. <laughs> Dude, know? I told my friend, I was like, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, I'm so sorry for all those nights I was grumpy and didn't want to go out. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're right. I'm so sorry. I, I will always go out on Friday nights forevermore right. now. <laughs> Whenever, wherever I'm there. Well, okay, here's the thing. I've moved to a new city and we're in the middle of a pandemic. No friends. Can't make friends. That's Aww. that sucks because like yeah. normally I'd be at work, I'd meet new friends. Not doing that because I'm teaching online. Uh, normally the only friend we've made is a guy that pulled Ryan over as he was leaving the post office because they have like the same car. Oh. No. Oh boy. A, a guy that has the same car and then like became like he got so Oof. excited that they have the same car and it was like that was the only person that we've met <laughs> can, can i be honest that feels like a for now friend yeah like, uh, you'll it'll do friendship <laughs> that's exactly or even i mean i was like i'm not i'm not getting into that ryan like if you want to yeah. be that guy's friend <laughs> i you're like, like i just i don't have enough of myself to give to right. this <laughs> Right. I, and I, I like, I kind of want to make, like, I, you can tell that I am desperate to make friends because, um, the other day I did leave the house, like, full on mask, um, because I had to get my fiddle reseamed. And, I'm sorry. Um, can we pause there for one moment? Okay. <laughs> what does it mean to get a fiddle reseamed? Wait, like a musical fiddle? Yes. So. Wait, do you play the fiddle? Yeah, you didn't know this? I remember no? <laughs> one time in grad school. When I told you I was going to try and learn the guitar and you said you were going to try and learn the fiddle. And I don't think we ever followed up on it. <laughs> so just to cut you up, I yes. didn't get very far and I oh. I have no regrets. It's fine. I don't want to be a guy with a guitar anyway. That's okay. really not who I am. Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, I kept with it. I... Um... <laughs> You're like I did succeed. So. No, 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 no. I, I am not at all good. I am. I just. I play around with it when I, when I get the inclination to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was telling you that uh, I wanted to get master class, right? Like the yes. online. Did thing. you get it? Um, I'm going to get it like later this week. I, I. Wait, can I tell you something? Yes. Um, they keep periodically sending. Okay, I ended up signing up through work. It was like a work, like gift I got. Which was Do you nice. have a discount? Well, no. I basically oh. got this thing where it was like you could cash it in. It's like a, it was like a token instead of getting like a 
like a gift card or something. You can cash in a bunch of different ways. And one of them was for a masterclass subscription. Oh. But before that, and this is actually, I'm so sorry to, to, to bring this up now, but <laughs> I was getting a bunch of emails from them being like, we're running two for one deals, two subscriptions for the price of one. And I was actually going to reach out to you to see if you wanted to get one oh. and split the difference between oh. us. But all to say... I think they keep periodically running it. So if you sign up, like create an account with your email, but don't don't pay for any package, you might get an alert and then find a friend who wants to split that yeah. membership Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good to know. And also, I'm glad that you got yours for free. Super jealous that you got yours for free. Um, mm-hmm. But, okay, so they, so th- th- all of this started because this is like a really long way to get to this story about me trying to make friends. Um, but uh, anyways. Oh yeah, so I forgot why we were talking about this. I know. I So I recently, as I'm packing, I hadn't picked, I hadn't played my fiddle for, you know, like six months and um, like got it out. And uh, I was like, ah, this like, this piece of shit needs new strings. So, um, and I was like, I'm going to do, like, Masterclass has a violin guy who's, like, talking not, like, how to play violin, really, but, like, about the emotions that go with playing a violin. <laughs> so. Ooh, is this Pete Martin? No, that's. <laughs> oh, no, he's that, wait, what is he, banjo? He's banjo, yeah. Okay. But but he does have a Masterclass one, but it's on comedy. Um, ah, yeah, but anyways, so this famous, you know, um, musician, so I, I just all got inspired. I was, like, super excited. So anyways, I finally go to my house, all messed up, got my got my violin, and I, like, had set up an appointment at the violin repair place, and the chick who was there was just, like, super cool. Like, she just had all these cool tats, um, you know, like, she was talking about the area, and, like, she was the one who was going to fix the violin. Like, she was the one who noticed that, um, like, really? it needed, yeah, like, yeah, like, she was going Re-seeming. to, like, she, she's an artisan. And I was like, man, I have such a crush on you right now. Like, I, <laughs> like, want to be your friend <laughs> so badly. But, like, how do you go about that? Like, how do you, like, develop a relationship yeah. during a pandemic with someone that's fixing your violin? I Googled this. I mean, do they do events or promotion? Like, is there a way you can stay in touch, like, virtually? No, not really. I feel like a lot of of stores are pivoting to, like, all kinds of virtual plays, so. Yeah, like, no, this one, like, this one is just really, like, a shop that sells, like, sheet music and does repairs. Hmm. Like, that's really all they do, and they only do violin, um, which is great, but, like, I'm going to have to, like, go in and, like, buy like you know disney songs for violin more and more or sheet something. music yeah <laughs> so um that's the only way that i could like develop this relationship <laughs> i mean honestly i wouldn't work backwards from covid i'd work backwards from like let's pretend it's a normal world okay. i think even then it's really vulnerable to like i feel like friend dates are so much more vulnerable than like asking yeah. people on a date date because date date you're just like okay like I don't know. It's, I think it's this. It's that it's it's this. Chances are so much less likely to work out on date dates because it has to be. I mean, this isn't the case for everyone, but typically for me, it's like it has to be one person. And you go, okay, like the likelihood that you'll be like the one person, you know, that I want to sort mm-hmm. of commit to for at least a long while is going to be low for anyone. That's just like bad chances. But because you right. can have multiple friends, like the likelihood that it could work out is there, and it feels like. 
scarier. It's it's scarier just because like I feel like uh like this is a new like time of my life, I guess. Like it's mm-hmm. a new epoch and like I I I don't know, like I was thinking of other ways that you like, get friends, and I was like, "Well, you gotta have a baby, and then like you're friends with people who have babies, Ugh, and no. you talk about baby stuff. <laughs> like that's one. That's a big one, though. That's a really like I, I know, think, and I generally think that is why a lot of people have babies. I think I'm gonna do that. Like I really want to be popular, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so that's like, but that's one. And then work, you know, through work is another one. Obviously that's not going to happen right now. And so it's, yeah, it's just, it's sad. I'm lonely. Well, let me ask though, <laughs> how would you have gone about making friends if COVID wasn't going on? So take work out of it. Mm, mm-hmm, Cause work, yeah. yeah, of course, you know, you can make some relations, but relationships, but like take work out of it. How would you have gone about right. it? So I would join a yoga class just, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like other normal human beings that's one um i'd probably like develop a like kind of like uh places where like i'm the a regular you know like i would eventually get to like all right this is my coffee shop this is (laughs) and like i just feel like sometimes that happens where like you meet people there um and yeah i don't know other than that um yeah I like it's sad because I think I make I think I make most of my friends through academia, right? So that I have like a ton of friends that I like text with, you know, like in Wisconsin or Ohio, etc. Yeah. Um, but in terms of in person, at least here, I, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. Um, so That's yeah, tough. yeah. I know. I mean, I think it's tough to make friends generally as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, as much as I hate San Francisco, like I think one of the nice things about it is it is it does have this small town feel where everyone knows each other and everyone goes to like just a limited handful of places on any given you know day or night. And so everywhere you go, you run into people. Are you, you gonna sing the cheer or... song? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just I don't know it. I've never seen cheer. You don't know it? Okay, it's mm-hmm. like sometimes you wanna go yeah. where. Everybody knows your name. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of like San Francisco, except that like half the people <laughs> like everyone's so socially awkward. You really have to be trying. No one's gonna like preemptively say your name. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that like uh, I do appreciate that because I've met a lot of friends just from like increasing like familiarity or just acknowledging that you've seen people multiple times, right? And yeah, yeah. I don't know how but that you like can't happen right that. now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So. I don't know. Right. I mean, I need to stop complaining outdoor about... Outdoor yoga? Hmm? Outdoor yoga? Outdoor yoga, but I live in Las Vegas, so... Is that not a thing? Well, it's just like, you know, it's like, like I said, like 110. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's like, like hot I, I'm yoga. I'm not willing to, like, risk heat stroke for new friends. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, we were thinking about going to church, and, like, there are some churches that, like, you just bring a blanket and sit outside, and, like, you know, there's a guy on a speaker, and, like, you're six feet away from people, <laughs> and I was like, no, it's, like, it's just way too hot, I just, no. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know, it's all good, I need to stop complaining about, um, like, not having friends right now, because I have a shit ton of work to do, and it's, you know, like, I've got to prep a whole class online, and I realized that that is 
hard. <laughs> that is really, like, almost impossible to conceive because so much of my teaching is based on in the moment, like, affect. It's, mm. I think I've talked about this, right? Like, it's yeah. based on my students' visual cues. It's based yeah. on them asking questions or even giggling, right? Like, it's, it's based on, like, the in-person thing. And so when I'm, like, trying to translate to the virtual world, like, how significant it is that, like, Q1 of Hamlet has the word poopsies in it, like, it doesn't, it just doesn't work, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't, like, my attempt to dismantle Shakespeare by, through, like, I have this whole lesson built around poopsies now, um, <laughs> because That's amazing. it's a, it's a compositor's error for puppets, uh, believe it or not, but, um, it literally says poopsies, and I have this whole lesson built around like using poopsies to like just deconstruct the idea that Shakespeare is just like unapproachable and this like huge genius or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, no, look, poopsies. Um, <laughs> th- how do you, how do you put that online? You know what I mean? Like, how do you like to a non-existent, like no faces in front of me? Cause my class is going to be asynchronous. How do you do that? I don't know. And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that, too, because I do so much, like, external-facing, like, client work, and it's just, like, mm-hmm. so much of what you do, what I'm paid to do is just, like, read body language and read a room and get a sense right. of where apprehensions are and investigate them, you know? Right. It's uh, really hard to do, not just even on screen share, but, like, half the time people don't even share their screens, and so you're just like, well, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm going to, like, meaningfully interpret that pause, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. But I think, too, like, what you're getting at, essentially, that brings, like, all three of these things together is, like... I think for you and me both, like, we have, I think we're lucky to have um, plenty of really good friends. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's hard to deny how impactful, like, in-person interactions are. And I think, like, that's the tough part. I don't feel at all like I have a lack of friends or good friends. I just feel like I miss a lot of the sort of just, like, physical proximity, like, whatever that means, like, affectively. Right. Like to just do other humans, you know, it'd be like my ideal day would be to like be out and about here and just to like be around humans. I don't even like really know. And then like get to come home and not think about those humans, but to have been around them and then to like text with you, you know, like that's that's the beautiful thing. And I'm just missing the first part of it. Um, And plus, like your text game. Sam still sucks. Uh, I don't know why. I know. I know. I don't I know. know. Everyone tells me this. I'm sorry. I'm doing. I'm doing public shaming now. <laughs> public. No. No. I'm just messing with you. I. No. Actually people don't get like bad. very frustrated with how bad. Really. I yeah. Uh, but my, I think I like the thing is like I feel comfortable for the most part. I feel like I could do a much better job with you because we really just like joke around throughout the day you're yeah. not trying to have like a sustained conversation throughout the day you know or anything like that never i think the people that i frustrate a lot of people who actually want to like use text as a medium for just like talking continuously oh like, no I, I can't do that can't like my brain doesn't work like that like i can't do it like please stop right no i can't do that my so the the longest like relationship i've had with a human besides my parents, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. My best friend, Krista, we've been best friends since we were three years old, okay? I think we made a pact when we were, like, four or five. Like, yo, if I... And we talked like this, obviously. I was (laughs) like, if if I need to bounce for a while, if I don't contact you for a while, like, we're still good, you know? Like, we we just, like, developed this 
like that'll never be how I tell you we have an issue. Right. Exactly. Well. Well. And like, not only that, but like, um, like I am never gonna be the clingy friend. And like, mm-hmm. we just like to, we just mutually agreed. Like, no, we're not gonna be clingy to each other. And so, like, we can go a month without talking to each other, and then like, you know, suddenly like just pick it up right where it left off and it's totally fine and it's like the most organic relationship that i have in life and it's beautiful i love it because i don't ever feel guilty or weird or whatever and i'm never like worried about her that's wonderful yeah yeah but anyways um so how did we get here i forgot oh friends friends and like oh you were talking about like how this is you've you need to like maybe rename or like we need to have like this is this is still like quarantine 2.0 or something like yeah yeah oh i have a quarantine story oh you have a what i have a quarantine event that happened it's not very exciting but (laughs) (laughs) i was like i was getting so mad because like you saw me a few months ago my hair is like super long um so i really wanted to cut it and I, but I don't, oh, like, no. I'm still so scared uh, <laughs> of everything. So Ryan and I watched a bunch of videos. The first, like, five videos oh, no. that we watched. No, actually, okay. Actually turned out okay because. It did? Yeah. Like, the first wow. five videos we watched were all, like, these really snooty hairstylists being like, do not cut your hair at home. <laughs> like, don't do it. But if you do. Like, what are they making a video for? It was just, like, to be mean. And then they were, like, using all these, like, really complicated techniques, etc. But, um, anyways, finally, I was, like, I was, like, Ryan, like, I just, like, I can't stand it. It's it's just, like, so hot and heavy and, like, my hair's all in tangles. I just want to cut it all off. Um, and so he was, like, well, you know, like, here's how you cut, um, like, you bob a horse's tail. <laughs> oh, my God. So what you do is like you brush all of your hair forward and you tie it on a ponytail like a unicorn, like on the front of your head. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then you just like, I don't know, you cut it and it like retains the layers. And so because like, you know, Ryan has done that before, we did that. And I don't know how, but like he like gave me like an amazing haircut. (laughs) By treating you like a horse? Yes! <laughs> so it's like it, it like it has layers like it has like it's like right below my ears like it's really short um but it like and short hair is hard uh but you know like with a couple little cleanup snips like i i'm super pleased so like if i if i wear it curly because my hair is naturally curly um mm-hmm. it looks like dory's hair from uh search party so okay yeah yeah i don't know dude i'm on the opposite end here i'm just letting it (laughs) i was like so self-conscious about my hair getting long and now i'm just leaning in yeah how long is it long um um can you can i don't know so i did get uh chris um cut my hair on easter and then we also a friend of ours cuts hair and we did like a covert haircut a handful of months ago Oh, so it's not cute. as long as it could have been, but um, okay. it's like five inches now, I guess. Oh my god! So you can like you could put it into a little, a little ponytail. No, right? not that big. It's still a little short of that. I was okay, saying but... like, uh, I'm trying to feel that with my hands. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> two more inches before I can do that. Okay, I I think I encourage you to like just get to that point. See if you like being ponytail man though. Or, like, okay, man bun thing. man. You remember I used to have longish hair in grad school, 
And I finally got to the point where I could put it in, like, not a, not a man bun, but, like, a ponytail. And I did that, and I saw myself. And I was so startled by what I saw that I, like, that day went and got a haircut. <laughs> so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm ready. Like, I feel like I needed to go through that to, for yeah. this time to be, like, okay, we're not going to have any, like, crazy reactions. We're going to take things in stride. <laughs> I love that, like, that was just, like, this moment of awakening where you, like, Yeah, I was like, what have like, I been doing the last six months? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm happy that I survived a, uh, quarantine haircut, and, yeah, now, like, oh, Ryan I'm is going insane. Really? Yeah. You know what well, my trick is? I'm just, like continuing i'm realizing how much i love just trying new things and taking on new like challenges and so i just keep coming what's up your with latest new one okay well so as you know q2 was a nightmare for me it was very very stressful at work and very mm-hmm. very busy i felt very burnout at the end and so my promise to myself is like i am not going to let the the remaining months of the year be that crazy i am like being very firm and like maintaining a sort of like healthy workload just prioritizing like the most effective things i can do in that time um in that sort of block of of work time you know some exceptions Mm -hmm. of course but like by and large sticking to it and then dude i am like i'm just trying a handful of things to figure out how to reduce stress throwing them all at the wall and i'm seeing what sticks yeah. So I'm doing the following things. I am taking <laughs> ashwagandha stress supplements. I am taking the Yale course, How to Be Happy. Um, I am, I stopped drinking coffee. And so what? I just have matcha in the morning and then that's it. And oh I cut God. out meat and I'm learning how to like eat like vegetarian essentially. <gasps> Those Which are is huge. Wonderful. Because I yeah. love I love beans, I love lentils, I love all these foods that like I never eat. And it's been really, really fun learning more about them and um, mm-hmm. like how to prepare them and just taking on like cooking challenges like I that are actually really easy once you figure them out. Uh, but I never ever would have even tried to take on before. That is so cool. So how long have you been doing this? Um, three weeks? Damn, you haven't had coffee in three weeks? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, of everything you just said, that one concerns me. I don't know. Honestly, I also, the hardest one is not drinking every night. I am telling myself I can only drink a couple nights a week. (laughs) And and I was like, oh, it's a tough look in the mirror. Have you noticed, like, have you, have you been able to, like, really feel a a decrease in stress? Like, have you... I mean, yes. Yeah? Like, very significant, but I don't know if it's, like, a real true sustained change or if it's just, like, I'm really happy when I'm trying new things. I'm trying a lot of new things right now. It's, like, the high of newness, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to wait and see what sticks. But I would say that Yale course, like, really recommend. I'm learning a ton of things. And it's a lot of things, like, I've heard before, people, you know, from, like, know-it-all people, you know, that's exactly the kind of people who would drop the facts that come up in this course, but hearing them all laid out in a cogent way has been really helpful. 
Where it's like, you know, like people who win the lottery get all this money and financial independence, but they go right back to being exactly who they are after six months, you know, and you're like, I know, I know. Yeah, um, but but when you have that intellectual framework that's not, you know, that's like yes. actually scaffolding that type of knowledge and, and that's that's what's useful. Huh, mm-hmm. so what's it called? It's the Yale course on how to be happy? Like, yeah, so it is the most popular course at Yale and it always fills up. There's always a wait list. Um, they recorded an online version and they decided to make it free during quarantine. Sweet. Maybe I should check this out. You Ugh, should. I have, too much, I have too much to do. That's the problem. It's actually, so the thing is, it's split up like an undergrad course. So you, they only expect you to listen to like one lecture a week and to do one reading a week. And it's all super easy. Like the lecture I listened to on like 1.25 speed and then um, the readings are all like very short. So it's it's definitely, and I think you could skip the readings if you wanted to. Like it's, I wouldn't say it's a burden. I would say it's even good. It's just background. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I just, ugh, I have that big project that I am mm-hmm. almost done with. That's and amazing. the deadline is it in a month. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really. Yeah, prioritize that. <laughs> ugh. And like, that's why I was talking about like, so my, I think like my, like, I don't know how I deal with the, the stress of this is to at least waste like 20 minutes a day imagining what I'm going to do post project in terms of like you know like oh I want to like take the master classes I want to like you know mm-hmm. I want to like cook more I want to I, I was trying to convince Ryan to get me one of those like fancy uh what's it called Peloton I don't know how you pronounce it mm-hmm. Peloton whatever bikes and he's like nah dude that's not gonna happen um, that shit's expensive <laughs> that shit is so expensive but you know like I just like keep coming up with things that I want to do it's just that this project is like the, you know, it's just like blocking everything that I, I really need to do. So I like finished my, you know, 52 novels thing, which I felt really good about. Yeah, that's um, an achievement. And I still haven't made my new one because I feel like I'm going to finish this project and then make the new one. What was um, the 52nd novel? The 52nd novel was All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. <gasps> That's such a great book. It was so good, dude. I, and I didn't I didn't even know because I was like, I'm just dumb. Um, I didn't know that it was a trilogy. And so now I'm so mm-hmm. excited that I get two more. I haven't more. read the second two. Well, you know, yeah. that's weird, though, because the second novel is totally different character. And then the third novel, the two, like, meet, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I have to read them. I think they come together as adults. That's what I read, like, on the, like, brief little summary thing is that, like, the two characters, like, meet up as, as like, older, wiser <sighs> gentlemen. Um, but, yeah, that And I'm all riveting. about that. You're still there? Did you go away? Oh, yeah. No, I'm you're still here. there? Okay. All right. Sorry. I just got, like, sidetracked. I'm telling you, I'm becoming like more distractible and just like dumber as, as the quarantine <laughs> progresses also. So like the other day, for example, I looked at the word, there was clearly a typo in this book and it was a book on philosophy. And I, it, it was, it was, um, emo bodies, emo bodies. And it was really just that there was an extra O in there and it was a typo and it was in bodies but I spent, oh. like, three or four minutes being like, what are emo bodies? Like, what? what is this, like, philosophical term that I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like just like trying to figure out like what was wrong with my brain before like the completely obvious oh this is just totally an extra letter stuck in and yep, this is definitely yeah. supposed to be in bodies damn it um so yeah just things like that man things like that i'm just it's trying tough. to yeah but anyways I'm going to birth this baby of this big project soon, and then I'm going to be so much more uh, interesting, maybe, or just, like, happy, or, or I don't know, maybe just, like, stoned all the time. I don't know. I'm Who so knows? Excited. Time will tell. Yeah, yeah It's going to exactly. be such a good feeling, though. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> um, okay, well, speaking of, I guess, like, well, what's a good transition here? <laughs> like, speaking um, of your work... Speaking of work and of making friends because you have babies. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that this we'll talk about this movie now, which is uh, Baby Boom. Yeah. Baby Boom. Baby Boom. Oh, dude, this movie was... Hated okay, it. I feel like... Really? <laughs> yeah, I hate okay, it. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to get this out of the way because I know I'm going to just be saying this so much, or at least that's my fear. It's just like the f- primary feeling I have or had leaving um, 9 to 5 and that I had with the closing of this movie is just like, wow, nothing has changed. Right! It is like, it is so pathetic how little has, like, it was making me angry watching it because, like, the conversation she has with her boss in, like, one of the the opening scenes of the film is so inappropriate, but we are only now, at least in the tech world, having corporate conversations about, like, wow, bringing these to light, it's really important to know that manager told, like, his female subordinate that, like, he wants to promote her, but he's not sure if he should because she might want to have a baby one day and won't be as reliable. And you're like, fuck. Like, there are so many people now who get away with having those conversations still and who don't even realize it's inappropriate. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, it just me nuts. Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, like, even in I'm going to try field, not to keep saying that over and over. Uh, just, just as like a side note, right? Like in academia, um, usually if you have a kid, you have to like negotiate, like you actually have to like negotiate pushing the tenure clock back, right? Like you have to like actually like go through a a formal process to say, um, you know, like you can't, I can't go out for tenure in seven years. It's gotta be, you know, seven and a half or whatever. Right. So like, it's just, it's kind of nuts that you have to like go through that process, but yeah, um, so I, I actually, that was one reason why I hated it. I hated this movie mostly because it was just so weird about sex. Like, it was just yeah. so strange. I can't wait to talk about this. Um, but let's, so that's, like, my, my primary, like, just approach to this is, like, what what does this movie even think sex is? And, and why does it, like, why is it obsessed with not having sex, I guess. Um, so that's my approach. But we should do a brief, like, what is this movie thing. So do you want to take that away? Yeah, I guess it's how it opens. When it opens, also, where does she work? Like, what are we calling that? She's is like it... a consultant? No. I, yeah, because <laughs> I didn't know if they were, like, they did sales or marketing consulting. Like, they were an agency. But then... I mean, not to give it away, but at the end... Okay, I can say this. At the end, they're trying to... That same agency is trying to acquire a company. And so I was like, well, wait, what did they do? So I don't know. She is doing something in the corporate sector. Um, She is... um, Diane Keaton's name is J.C. Wyatt. 
over um, this weird like narrator voiceover in the first scene. I was trying to be like, what is this? Is this like supposed to be taken as part of a documentary? Because it opens as right. like. And they drop that. Of women are leaving. Yeah. You know, take, for example, J.C. Wyatt. And I was like, well, who is speaking into whom and why? No, it made no sense. And then, like, but that whole frame, like, we lose that, of course. Like, that does not yeah, come back. Yeah, which great. Like, good riddance. Um, I don't want that yeah. anymore. But the thing that's crazy is that when they, the opening montage is a bunch of just, like, different women, like, kind of commuting to work, like, walking down the busy sidewalks. Right, which York. is exactly what happens in 9 to 5. I'm, With a different like, song. Also, these songs were, like, so... Oh, my God. I like... Two things. One, I forget how saxophone-heavy 80s movies were. Oh, my God. Just, like, easy jazz to transition scenes or show us that we're winding down into an evening scene. But then the other thing is, is like... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, we are such on the same wavelength because, like, literally on my notes for this, I have one... Ah, gentle music, <laughs> 80s. <laughs> yes. Number two is, uh, like, I, I did mine in a bullet list, was um, what the fuck this movie begins in exactly the same way. So, yeah, like, <laughs> just I just want to, like, you know, say preach to you because you're, you're, you're speaking my language here. <laughs> oh, so glad. I mean, the other thing, though, too, is that, um, oh, what was it? Um, not only is there a saxophone, but the other thing that's so weird to me is... Um, the this is also the era where like there are songs that are used where you're like is this a real song or did they just write a generic song <laughs> for this movie you know what i mean like yeah i'm just like i yeah. can't in there's no world where i can imagine like these songs being played on the radio and they're oh, like I... both so broad and generic and yet so weirdly specific mm-hmm. that, like the lyrics ugh, i should look some up they're just like crazy to me but the thing i was going to bring up is that the <laughs> montage that weird sort of like documentarian cast to the beginning um, is all about this sort of great migration they talk about of women into the workforce and they say the phrase um, women abandoning the pink ghetto for oh my God. Uh, corporate spaces. Isn't that so wild? Note number three. Eek. Quote, pink ghetto. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm not kidding you. I, like, I highlighted that, too, because, A, it's really problematic, but also I've never heard that term before. Like, where did that come from? Um, And I, like, all, like, all the, the movies that we've seen so far, too, but still, they, like, really envision this transition from the household to the corporate workplace as as fucking miserable. I don't know if that's just me, but, like, it just, like, it casts it as, like, even in this opening montage, Mm. right, um, where these women have fled this, you know, whatever, um, like, all of the women look harried. They look really, like, just, like, in pain. Yeah, they look like they're, like, physically in pain from these heels. Like, Nobody is doing yes, like I a. I think it's it's it, they don't make it yeah like miserable like they make it look thankless. Yes. Because I think yeah. the one thing I would say like where I don't want to quite commit to miserable is that like what we see is there's a lot of women who are just like hungry. I, this is such a difficult thing to navigate, and we're obviously we'll get more into this, but like this is not me in any way saying that there are not sort of like challenges and growth opportunities and whatever about being staying at home or being a full-time mom or anything along those lines but you can see right. that the movie is trying to communicate that a lot of women are getting tremendous satisfaction about like flexing 
um, the sort of like skill sets that are required for corporate work. Um, but there's also this attending frustration. They also have to put up with so much bullshit um, right. just to get like the opportunity to do like minimal work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. I do. And so what we get is Dan Keaton. She's like really high up in this this company and uh, her boss is dangling the prospect of her becoming a partner. Again, don't know what that like. I know what that means in like a legal setting, but not in a banking setting. What do, do you know, Sam? What does becoming partner yeah. mean there? No. A, a partner. I mean, it's just like the highest role you can have within the company. I think because it's so uh, so at a firm, it's founded by partners. So like on a firm, like rather than having like a CEO like you would a company, you go okay, like we're like these three people. Well, we're coming together to start our own firm or maybe one person does and they build up this great book and so someone else oh. says let's combine I'll bring my book of clients as well we'll combine efforts you know something like that so okay. it's, it just speaks to like one's like ownership and stake in the company and also to, okay. to like the amount of capital they would then derive back out of it right on okay that makes sense to me so she's she's she has the prospect of becoming a partner in this yeah. company um, she's married or not married. Well, that's that's wrong. She's dating this uh, other, you know, business dude who apparently really sucks at sex. Uh, <laughs> well, let's pause on that for a second. Like, because like when the narrator introduces JC, he says very specific things. He says um, she's like tenacious and referred to as the tiger lady of the corporate world. Her mm-hmm. and her boyfriend um, collect African art and have separate uh, separate but equal IRA accounts. Yes. Um, yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say too, before we get to the boyfriend, is that we then see her through that narration and walk breeze into the office, and she's tough. Like she makes it very clear to her secretary mm-hmm. that like it doesn't matter if she has plans, um, she's gonna have to stay late. She doesn't care. Um, things right. like that, and she's like rattling off all these numbers and this strategy um, to her subordinate, played by James Spader. He's so good at playing, like, slimy people. I just always hate him in movies. Um, But he pauses and, like, wonder at, like, what she's able to do and how effective she is. And I think there's this, like, great meta moment where she smiles and goes, oh, I see you're just realizing that I'm I'm good at this. And it was so funny because that felt meta to me because it's, like, Diane Keaton, who's, like, Annie Hall and known for these sort of just, like, playing sort of, like, more sort of um, quirky characters... And mm-hmm. I did wonder, like, if I was going to find her believable as, like, a corporate type. And it does feel like this, like, winking at the camera sort of moment mm. where she's like, oh, I see you're now just realizing I can do this, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, that's that's a good point. That's cute. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I think, like, the dark side, and this is, like, I w- we'll say more about this at the end of the movie, but, like, I think the movie could have gotten rid of some of its more complicated or, like, problematic sort of, like, knots that it ends up tying by the end of the movie had they not sort of like given her this sort of weird sterile even while sexual sterile um Mm -hmm. personal life can you talk more about that well it's just that like she um and I, i don't know why but like I feel like the the African art kind of emblematizes this in a weird way because it's, like, such an appropriative, like, oh, we collect, you know, African art, like, where these two, you know, white, um, 
high-ranking, fast-paced type of people. And then when, like, you go into our apartment, it's just, like, you know, like, these enshrined African masks, etc. right? Like, it just, like, seems to, to, to gesture towards, as you say, the, like, sterility in terms of, like, there's just a lack of depth there, right? Like, there's just a mm-hmm. lack of anything... Um, in their personal lives, in in their interactions that um, show, I don't know, just like anything really that that um, seems sustainable. So, um, for example, her partner, this guy Steve, he's you know, kind of like nerdy. He's kind of boring. He has a face mask on, um, which is not a problem, except that like I don't I don't know. It just like seems like very. Uh, shallow, I guess, like, in a way. Like, their their home life is just, like, not interesting at all. Um, well, and it, there's, like, a complete lack of, like, any sort of interpersonal component. Exactly. Like, even as they're, like, laying in bed together, they're doing totally separate things. They're barely mm-hmm. talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're constantly, like, reading the paper or going over reports or something like that. Um, there's this key scene where he shares an aspiration with her where he says, like, oh, I might want to get a dog. And what's so interesting is, like, the way they keep reacting to each other is just like gauging what sort of burden one one's decision would place on the other. Right, right? right. Rather than like they're not encouraging each other, they're not partners in anything. It's just like, oh, but if you do that, then we have all these obligations. I don't want that for my life, so you can't mm-hmm. do it. Right, exactly. It's like she immediately shuts that down. Um, but at the same time, she's like gazing upon these uh, ads for, um, you know, barns for sale in Vermont. And he shuts that down where he's like, you would, you wouldn't know what to do with that. Like you would never Mm -hmm. go, um, to your vacation home or, you know, whatever. Right. So there's just like this utter disconnect. Um, so then, right. Like she's got this big account she's trying to land with this giant food company, basically, uh, food distribution or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she, you know, is getting ready for this meeting, et cetera, um, she gets a call late at night and she's inherited something and um, it's from like this distant cousin over in England or, or somewhere and she doesn't know what it is and the connection's bad so she's like yeah yeah I'll be at the airport to pick up what I've inherited um, <laughs> and do you remember what happens after she hangs up the phone uh no what wait they just go should we have sex okay and then yeah. they just, like, roll back off <laughs> yeah. of each other, and the sex is over. And it looks like neither of them remotely, like, enjoyed it or felt anything. Well, it and shows like the, the clock. I... Like, it shows, like, yeah. the electric clock. So it's, like, 11.50, and then it, like, they have sex. You don't see anything. Fades, and then it comes back, and it's, like, 11.52. You know, or it's, like, something, like, really <laughs> yeah. pathetic, right? Um, it's and... so frustrating, because you go, like, there's... Like, and it's not—it's a Nancy Myers movie, so like I feel like this feels like very standard within like her sort of like approach to like writing development, especially for women. Like she has this hang up in her movies where like her women have to start with like a fundamental like flaw that's like blocking them from their full femininity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, they're too uptight. Oh, there's too like um, squeamish about sex. Oh, something, something. And you go like, there's so many ways in which you could have navigated this more skillfully and less problematically if you just let her be like a normal person in these opening scenes yeah like you didn't need to stack the deck so much to be like oh she was this robotic like 
Um, like, what is it? A tiger lady who's, like, so out of touch with her own body. She doesn't know how to, like, enjoy sex or appreciate a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you go, like, uh, now, like, to look back at the end of the movie, you go, well, now there's no way in which you can kind of have, like, a clean sort of productive sort of, like, argument to this movie because you've stacked the deck so much in your own favor. Right, right. If that yeah. makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Um, and I, like... Okay, well, let's just, let's get to the baby, though, because yeah. I feel like actually <laughs> Can we get this, to the baby? Well, I feel like the baby is, is actually part of this conversation, too, because the other big piece, right, of this movie, of a lot of movies uh, from this era, is the, um, the working woman versus a biological clock, right? Um, yeah. And so this is where... Uh, this is where I get really mad, I guess, because it's the the idea um, that, you know, every woman is just like dying for an infant, right? Like that there's this this and I get that there like, of course, there are these moments where like I myself feel this way. Like if I see like, you know, like a a onesie or something I might be like uh, you know but still like it's it just like presents this as the the natural state I guess I'm using natural in quotation marks but you can't see it because it's a podcast no but you're absolutely right because like the 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 other piece like I know you kind of gestured at this is that she has a conversation with her boss who says I think we're ready to make you a partner and he says you know but I have to say this to you just candidly you are a woman and that makes me nervous because one day you might want to have a baby and he goes i have a wife and she does everything in terms of raising the kids our home life decorating blah 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 so i don't ever have to think about that you know you already work 70 80 hours a week you're going to be working even more mm-hmm. and like one the total lack of sympathy or understanding is like again i don't think anything has really fundamentally changed it's still kind of like tough to see but mm-hmm. that's the those are the, the stakes the movie introduces before she gets this baby. And so, of course, like, her first instinct is to be like, whoa, I can't adopt this baby. Like, this is not where my life's at. It's not part of my life plan. What what ultimately, like, turns it around? Um, It's that biological... I mean, it's that, like, that feeling, I guess, right? Like, that's, you know, her, her deciding to keep the child is this, you know, like, feeling of needing to... to to be to nurture i guess right like that's that's yeah because the baby gets like a fever right right before right. she's supposed to go to like the adoption agency to like drop the baby off right right so okay let, let's like back up for just a second so she okay. inherits this baby she's she's completely taken aback by it um she i did find i did find these moments delightful and i actually wish that there were more of them which was the like person who doesn't like children has never been around children figuring out like how to take care of no. a child. No. I love stupid those. spaghetti scene or the diapers are yes. so dumb. Okay, that also annoyed me like her and the dumb. boyfriend where they're like I don't know how do you speak to a baby? I guess you reason with with it with logic. Like it's like okay this is so fucking stupid. Okay but when she like when she first gets the baby and she's like lugging it around sideways like the baby's like head oh, is yeah, just, that like bouncing up and down. <laughs> yeah. That part is legit. And, like, when, like, the baby sneezes and she's, like, gesundheit, you know? Like, she's just, like, bye, you know? Like, when she talks to the baby, like, 
as if she's pissed off at it. That I think is kind of funny. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I will say too, like Diane Keaton is just so, she's so funny. She's such a great comedic actress that like she takes, she like kind of wrings all the sort of like physical comedy out of a lot of those scenes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I thought that that was kind of charming. Um, The fact that like the, she takes the baby to a restaurant tries to convince the like coat check lady to hold the baby the baby barfs on the yes. lady that's good like that's good comedy that, now right that's funny <laughs> barfing babies barfing on people is great um so in any case this so she she decides to keep the baby because um she's going to send it, she's going to take it to this adoption agency or she does and she meets the prospective new parents who I like? I mean, I get it. Like you're you're Ooh, trying to do contrast. This movie does not like Christians. Does <laughs> this not movie like does Christians. not like religious people. <laughs> religious people at all. Um, Dude, oh my god, so much more to say about that. Right, the babysitter. Yeah. Yes. Um, or the potential babysitters. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's this this um you know older couple who's very very countryfied. It's very unclear why they are in New York City. <laughs> and, yes. um, they are just like, you know, they are very Christian. They're going to move back to Duluth to be near their pastor. The mother, or the potential mother, the wife, calls her husband both father and sir. Yo. Uh, it's so oogie, but also just I like know. so stereotypical. I was also just like, oh, the specter of Mike Pence. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so she, as she's like, you know, encountering these, you know, yokels essentially, right? She's, she just has like this, this change of heart. And she's like, no, I can't leave this child with these people. Uh, and she even, in fact, explains later that she had this vision of the baby, whose name, we should say, the baby does have a name. It's Elizabeth. Of Elizabeth mm-hmm. in a Dairy Queen outfit, right? Um, that's her, and that's just like the mark of horror for her. Um, so, anyways, she, she decides to keep the child. Of course, um, douchey, boring partner guys like I can't deal with that. So he leaves. I thought there was gonna be like a, a scene later where he would like try to get her back, but that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I was okay no. with that. No, <laughs> and I think too the point you brought up that I didn't even think about. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Is like picturing her with a Dairy Queen outfit. Also, is this juxtaposition of like snootiness around like the mass produced versus like the homemade organic, which we'll get mm-hmm. to like later. Yeah. It's like ugh, like that's yeah, like as to whatever. Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> well, I think there's not too much more. I, I'm just trying to get through like the the plot, mm-hmm. I guess. Then we can we can cycle back to stuff. Um, she gets so stressed with this baby, she starts figuring it out. But her company doesn't even really give her like I, I was confused about temporality here. Like if this was like over because the baby doesn't age. So and like the seasons maybe change once, but like at her office, she's trying to juggle being now single with the baby and, you know, dealing with these big accounts and she's still killing it. Like she's still like you get scenes where like she walks into a meeting and is like, where are we at? Let's do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But because everyone sucks because the corporate world sucks um, and because they've seen her with the baby, uh, they 
just like pass her over basically for the promotion uh, of becoming a partner and they give the um, big food account to the smarmy underling that she has yeah. trained right um, so she's pissed off and um, she's you know like had it basically and so she quits she quits her job she quits everything and this is where I wrote in my notes, whoa, this just became a n- another movie. <laughs> because yes. I was in- like, wait, are we, is the movie almost over? And then I was like, no. oh no, we're like not far into this. No, but before we get there, so she's going to move to Vermont, but let's, let's pause there because I do want to cycle back to her adjusting to having this kid because there, there are a few great, not great scenes. There are a few important scenes. Um, her mm-hmm. interviewing the different babysitters and oh her God. trying to make this child a genius, which, okay, yeah. Okay, can I, st- can I throw in two more there? Um, yes. So also the scene where she like assuages her guilt by buying the baby like $1,700 worth of shit. <laughs> yeah. I, like, that to me, like, uh, I was talking to Chris, my roommate about this, and because I was like, I understand, like, film is a visual medium, and so you have to communicate extravagance visually, but Mm -hmm. I hate, like, that was such a trend in movies of this era where people would just, like, like, walk out with just, like, an unrealistically excessive amount of purchases where, like, you know what I mean? Where someone would want to buy a lot, and they'd come out of a store with just, like, giant bags all up and down their arms, like, barely able to move. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, it also was the 80s. Like, we just worshipped <laughs> commerce and consumer Stuff, like, extravagism yeah. in that way, too. And I was like, right. that is a good right. call. But it, it does, like, it raises, it a, like, an interesting question, which is, like, if you and I grew up with those images of, of excess, you know, like, how did we, how did we, we depart did. from that? Or, like, how did we, like, survive that image of... I don't know. It's right? hard for me to even like to I like I don't care what it is. I feel good. I get tiny dopamine hits anytime I buy something. It could be like yeah. toothpaste. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just enjoy buying things. You know, yeah. like so. I don't know. I definitely feel like the the fingerprints of that on on me. Oh, I do too. Right? Like if if ever like I I mark my like achievements or if I'm depressed or like like anything. Right? Like if I'm just like. I need something new, right? Like, it's yeah. through buying something, right? Yeah, um, right. So, no, that is so true. Even if it's just, like, like you said, like, toothpaste or a new shampoo or whatever, right? Like, I feel the um, the effects of that. The need. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's real. Um, we, like, inherited that, that, like, image of here's how you show love. Here's how you convey success, right? It's the... The pretty woman with all the bags. It's Diane Keaton with all the baby toys. It's all of that, right? Yeah. Um, huh. Now I'm, like, rethinking, like, all of the movies. Like, since you brought that up, like, shit, there are a ton of movies that do that. Yeah. Um, damn. Damn! But, okay. anyway, jump to, to your scenes. And the only other thing I was going to bring up, too, is, like, the other thing that I'm fascinated by is, like, I've... By the time I joined the corporate world, we were all, like, leaning too far into, like, open floor plans Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So no one has offices. Like, it's it's just never been part of tech culture. And, I've like, I've never been in, like, a more traditional industry that people had offices. Mm-hmm. But I'm so obsessed or so fascinated by, like, the weird sort of, like, penis envy around desks and how <laughs> weird and protective everyone is. Like, this is my office and mm-hmm. my desk, you know? It's, like, just so weird. 
I, I mean, have I feel that at home. Say about it other than that. I feel that even at home, right? Like any any <laughs> house we. Um, so you say to Ryan. Yes, I say to Ryan. I'm like, do not come into my office, and, and like, of course he he doesn't need to, or or whatever. But like, um, like we're having this whole debate right now because I want to buy furniture for my campus office that I don't have yet because of COVID. Um, and he's like, mm-hmm. no, it's stupid. <laughs> you need to wait. <laughs> and I'm like, but look at this green velvet chair. And I just keep talking about this green velvet chair that I found. Oh, I love a green velvet chair. <laughs> Dude, it is fancy as fuck. I want a green is... velvet like chaise. Oh my God. I would love that. I feel like that might give the wrong. <laughs> like, I think it needs to be a little like more scholarly in terms of yeah, you know. yes. but, a little less um, Victorian yeah l- just slightly less but anyways um, uh, where did I how did I get to this point oh right like spaces desks penis envy etc mm-hmm. um, I yeah no I, I, I totally feel that I would feel like not like not mad or anything but if I walked in and Ryan was like sitting at my desk doing work I would be like, hey, wh- wh- what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, like, it's okay, but I also need an explanation to accompany this, right? Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, so, um, no, I get that. I totally do. Um, okay, babysitters, though. So she goes through this phase where she's looking for a nanny. And it does this typical, like, this is, this is common in... 80s, 90s comedy movies where you show a lot of really terrible prospects, right, of, of what um, what she's ultimately going to reject, right, uh, in terms of types of people, right? Uh, and this moment is incredibly racist. Yeah. Uh, oh, and my goodness. It, like, just it was hurt. shocking. Yeah, it just hurt to watch. So, I and I honestly, the... That one affected me so much, I can't even really recall the others quite so well because I was kind of like became fixated. Well, so okay, we get they're all like archetypes, and so we get one archetype which is like um, this like strict like German Fräulein sort of au pair who's just like I I uh, insist on strict discipline and all these things. She seems like too crazy. Okay, fine. So then mm-hmm. we move on to um, who is the religious like um, Christian woman? Do you remember uh, like her monologue? No, it was no. It was, I don't remember that one at all. Like I, she I says just something like, about how like she just like loves God, and Diane Keem's like next. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to a Middle Eastern woman in a full burqa who just when she says, "Tell me about yourself," she says, "I um, believe we should be respecting men fully. I will not speak unless spoken to, and please don't provide me a bed because I'd rather sleep on the floor." Yes. Yeah, it is and that's ugh. shocking. It yeah. Is, Ugh, I don't. I didn't even notice. Like my jaw just dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't. It's just like it's like it, there is nothing necessary. There was no way in which it was necessary. <laughs> you or know, funny. Like, this it was no, not funny. It wasn't like, funny. It wasn't, yeah. Yeah. It just reminded me too of just like truly like this is in no way to imply that we have progressed that significantly in terms of how we think about race um, and how we address it, but just, wow, it was so casually deployed, like racist humor. Yeah. Um, in our childhood growing up, like, I don't think I would have, I either would have laughed or it wouldn't have seemed odd to me. Right. You know, one of the two, you know, if I saw this as a kid. Right, yeah, and now I'm like, oh my God, like, how... How are we not talking about these types of, like, these micro moments, right? That just, like, completely... Uh, 
it, it just astonishes me how many of these like types of moments in film that we couldn't recall today, but that we were just like inundated with as, you know, as kids, right? Um, that I would never let my kids see that or, or I would pause and be like, all right, this is why this scene is, is problematic. Um, so, ugh, I hate it. I hate that every film <laughs> almost <laughs> that we encounter from the last, I don't know, like many, many decades has at least has a nod to some racist moment, right? Or an explicit racist moment. It just sucks that we have that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't I mean, yeah, I don't know like what it's doing in this film. It's not funny, it's not productive. It's it's just yeah. She picks one babysitter who is blonde and seems innocent and young. Um of course she comes home one day Mm-mm-mm. and little does she, she know. She's you know, having sex with a random dude in her apartment. It, like, took me a minute to even understand visually what I was seeing. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what's going um, on? Is she playing with the baby? Like, what? <laughs> is, is she That's posing so for something? It was, yeah, it was totally startling. And then this guy, you know, pops up also, and he's like, hello. I don't I don't know. And she's like, it get out of so here. It was so weird. Yes. Ugh. Um, and so she chooses the, the German au pair. Yes. That's her backup. Right. Um, she also, like, right when she drops off the kid with the German lady, <laughs> she, like, sees this newspaper headline that's, like, you know, baby snatchers, essentially. And it's yes. Just, ugh, it's so ridiculous. Which is honestly, like, I liked, I thought it was a nice little scene because it did effectively communicate just, like, the anxiety that you must feel, like, as a working mom or a single mom, whatever, which is like, yeah, there are there are just necessary risks that you are inviting into your right. life and your child's life that are just, like, inescapable, like, and it yeah. just sucks, you know? Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's so right. Uh, and I can't even imagine, uh, like, all of, yeah, all of those anxieties, just, like, coalescing and for her it's interesting because remember this is all so new to her right like that this isn't this isn't a child that she's had as an infant right it's it's not her biological child um and so she's just now encountering all of the different things she has to think about and this leads quite you know fluidly to then um also this weird part of the movie where she learns that uh, she needs to start training this toddler, you know, to be a genius and to join all of these different classes uh, at an early age, right, in order to be successful. Um, yeah. That she, you know, and, and this is also, um, like, we've seen this in movies, too, right? The, like, need to get them into a good preschool and then to, like, take violin classes or whatever, you know? Uh, so Yeah. Um, so she joins this academy. I thought this was so strange that, like, it's this guy who, like, prepares you to, or prepares your child to, like, be successful. One method is to just sh- rapidly show a baby all of these different <laughs> pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is fascinating. That felt very, like, I didn't, that didn't even feel like a joke. That felt to me like something people did take seriously then. I know. I mean, I never did that. My parents never, you know. Oh, they just, please, like, yeah. Put on, like, Sesame Street or whatever. Thanks, Darlene. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it worked out. It's we, fine. We, we survived. Yeah, we're, yeah. I we can, thrived, I, actually. We, I can do most things. 
Um, That's not true, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyways, but like there's... One scene I did think was hilarious is where they put the babies on these like... They like what is it called? The things that like Olympic guys hang from? What's that called? Oh, dude, that scene was so weird to me. Those hanging is, rings. Yeah, what? Like those have to have a name. What are those called? I think they're just called rings. Rings. Okay, so like a baby is hanging from the rings, and like the guy just like pushes the baby, and like the baby like swings <laughs> back and forth, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? That, that did make me laugh. Um. Okay. So. Anyways, the yeah, I think we find we've like really well represented like what her life was looking like as she struggled, but ultimately was yeah. succeeding in finding balance between professional life and in her personal life now as a new mom. Right. All to find and- out that James Spader has sort of like sneakily sort of been taking over her accounts and building, having secret meetings without telling her with the clients and mm-hmm. um, building relationship with um, Dan Keaton's boss, so that they ultimately decided that it was just easier to pick him because as her boss says there's just less risk so they her boss gives her this choice of being like well we can take you off all high profile accounts all the ones that you founded you grew blah 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 and put you on to dog food um or you can quit and so she decides to quit she buys that vermont house she packs up her car and she moves to start a new life and a new movie essentially (laughs) yes it's like a hard left turn yeah um so, yeah, and I'm sorry that I dwelled on some of these details of her learning experience. It's just, like, like some of this, some of this movie just, like, really struck yeah. me as, in terms of, like, how ridiculous or, or even how fun parts of it are. Um, so she goes, yeah, to Vermont, which, like, for some reason, um, as someone who's, like, recently, like, done a lot of stuff in Vermont and, like, hung out in Vermont, <laughs> like, Brag. that's... <laughs> Not bragging. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Chris asked me, he's like, what's in Vermont? I was like, truly, like, there are three things people do in Vermont. I said, they (laughs) ski, they smoke weed, or they brew their own beer. Like, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that really is it. And the reason I was in Vermont so much is because the breweries there, they're amazing. Um, But, like, they're they're not, like, they, they represent this, like, small town in Vermont as, like, I don't know, the most backwards country place ever. And, like, the people there have, like, southern accents, kind of, or they have, like, very, like, like, it just, like, seemed very unrealistic to me that, like, Vermont is maybe, maybe a two-hour, maybe a three-hour drive from New York City at Mm -hmm. most. And yet they're, like, she's in this whole other world. (laughs) She's in this place where she doesn't have reception. You know? Yeah, like, no, I'm like on board for that. Like that thing, <laughs> like that creepy fucking town where like they immediately updated their population number from three seventeen to three nineteen when As they, they were in. driving in, My yes. Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um so of course I one question I had about this was if she was so she gets to this Vermont farmhouse and she like for some reason like it has a cow, it has, you know, some animals there. But she knows nothing about what she's doing. What I was confused about was then, like, how, like, how she didn't have money suddenly. Like, this really didn't make any well, sense Well, I think to she me. had a ton of savings, but it was just that, like, she took a hit from buying the place. I think she just thought, like, oh, early retirement, or I'm just going to take some time to myself, and then I'll figure out what I want to do as my next sort of, like, thing. 
Um, yeah. And then like, she just had so many, like, huge, like, repairs she had to do that she just, like, quickly depleted her savings. Okay. Because what is it? Like, the heat, then the water, and what's the other thing? Oh, the roof. The roof, yeah. Um, and it's, like, the same... Is it the same guy who, like, does all of the repairs? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I love when she freaks out at him. That made yes. Um... So, yeah, she, like, this just all builds. Like, all of this pressure, nothing is going the way she wants it to go. Uh, and, you know, she's, like, freezing. She's miserable. And finally, when the guy says, like, oh, you you don't have any water, your well's run dry. Uh, which, you know, obviously that's kind of a funny lead-in to then her freaking out because she wants to have sex. Like, this, this is the yeah. weird part, right? Yes, the well's run dry. Run dry. She utterly loses it because um, she's lonely, she's struggling, you know, she's exhausted, all of these things. Um, so she just, like, has, like, kind of, you know, she has a breakdown, basically. She starts screaming, throwing a fit. Um, but it's so weird because you go, like, well, this is someone who, like, we were told didn't really seem to have an aptitude or enjoyment for, I mean, who am I to judge? You know what I mean? But like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, of like sex, you know, like, right. And so it's so weird for her to be like, I haven't had sex. And so <laughs> like, yeah. wait, that's like not the character beat. We were like being told not to like hone in all. on. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Like we weren't like, we didn't see any, any like lead up to like her yes. being frustrated or like contemplating masturbation, obviously, like none of that, right? Like there was I know, none like, of girl, that. Girl, there are options. Like, yeah, there's there's <laughs> a lot of different things you could do, um, but instead, it just like that. That to me is, I was just like, okay, this is, I'm losing it because, you know, first it was something's missing because I don't have a baby. Now I have a baby. Now something's missing because I'm not getting fucked. You know, it's just like. Mm, I don't know. I mean, that I'm sympathetic to, because you're just like, this is a movie that's sort of asking the question, like, can women have it all? And also, as it's going about, also pointing out the kind of very true reality that, like, this is a women-specific question, um, Mm -hmm. right? No men ever have to ask themselves this. And I think they make clear that, like, so many societal norms are ensuring that, like, there will never be any support or sympathy for her as she goes down this road. And so I think, like, there's something totally acceptable and justifiable and sympathetic about the movie sort of letting these sort of things and surprises come up where it's like, oh, I thought I was doing this thing that would help address this problem and now it's causing another problem. Like, great. But it just, it's it's feeling there were ways to have a more coherent, cogent character. And, like, the sex thing is, like, I think you brought this up earlier, like, it's out of nowhere here, but also, like, it's antithetical to, like, what made the issue, what made the movie kind of problematic in the beginning was by saying, like, there was something fundamentally wrong with her for not Mm -hmm. wanting kids in the beginning, and we knew that because she was so weird about sex then. Um, So it's just like, well, make up your mind, or just have a cleaner movie where, like, we don't judge her for not having kids in the beginning and let her have, like, a healthy, robust sex life. Right. Oh my god. I don't know why this reminded me of that moment from Watchmen. I, I'm sorry, this is such a digression. The movie or the TV show? The TV show oh, where Lady so True good. shows up and she's like, oh, you misunderstood me. I already made your baby. And I don't know yes. why, but I, like, that moment freaked me the fuck out. I don't Dude, know. I love that show so much. Oh my god. Like, what? She had the baby, and then the people are like, oh, let me sign, you know? And it was just like, 
Okay, I'm so sorry. That was a huge digression, but I that I kept thinking about that moment. Like, what if that had happened to me? Not that I've ever <laughs> gone to a fertility clinic or anything, but what if somebody showed up and they're like, but what I if? have I made you your baby. You didn't know it, but that last smoothie you had, I took your DNA, made you this baby. Um, there you go. I, yeah. But uh, this is all to say, too, on the <laughs> thinking sorry. about the remainder of the plot. No, you're I'm fine. Sorry. Did we just bring up, like, no, it's not. You're totally fine. I'm just realizing that we're going to go over. Okay. There is There are, like, two two fundamental pieces that are left. One is, like, and we can spend more time in this, the weird sort of, like, relationship that unfolds with her and a local veterinarian. Yes. And then the other Sam piece Shepherd. is that as she is, that's Sam Shepard? Yeah. <gasps> His teeth are janky. Like no offense, but I was just like, wow. Like I, it wasn't even like I think if I met him in real life, I'd be like, oh yeah, I wouldn't even notice it. I yeah. just think that we have such a deeply ingrained standard for what like is acceptable on a Hollywood film screen in like the two thousands <laughs> now. That you're just like, whoa, right. whoa. I haven't seen not perfect teeth in a long time. Yeah, give um, them veneers. Yeah. So yep. there's this, and then as she's struggling and suffering and hating and everything and miserable alone in this cabin in Vermont in the winter. She's doing nothing but picking the apples from her orchard and making baby sauce and figuring out how to make a baby sauce or baby food. Right. That, <laughs> baby sauce. Baby food that um, her daughter will really like a lot. And it's very obvious. <laughs> like, yeah. as soon as we cut to the baby food, I was like, oh, this is how she's going to get back into the business Yeah, world. so she, yeah, so exactly. She starts marketing this um, this baby food, gourmet, organic, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I thought that I laughed so much at the name because it's just called Country Baby, um, <laughs> which is the dumbest name for, like, this baby food that she's making, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, she starts becoming really successful with selling this, this food, Um and it's starting to get traction, right? Um, as she's going through this process and she's, you know, remaking it on her own, essentially, um, she starts becoming more ingrained in the community. Um, and yeah, she develops this relationship with Sam Shepard, who plays the local veterinarian. The whole, like, way that this relationship unfolds, there's, like, no mystique to it. There's no tension to it. There's nothing, like... Uh, the one moment that's like maybe exciting is also problematic to me because um, she so she sees them in a library as she's doing research for um, her country baby company and as she's driving home uh, she has a flat tire it's middle of the night it's cold uh, he pulls over to help her and already like my hackles are raised because of that um, and you know just because of like you know stranger danger that I've been trained to always be aware of um she's you know insisting that she can do it he keeps trying to help her he's like asking her like why do you feel weird around me and i was like well maybe motherfucker because it's the middle of the night and she's alone on the side of the road and you've just like like, what the fuck do you think yeah and then he at one moment in this exchange that gets heated he just kind of like does the, like, push her against the car move, right? After she said she was not interested, she didn't like the place, she did yeah. not like him, and she felt like her trust was violated with him because he was asking these questions that a doctor would ask and pushing her and probing her to, like, psychologize herself in an earlier scene before revealing that he's only a veterinarian. Right, and so she's right. angry, he grabs her and then kisses her. And that's and another... Like, yeah. Mm, that's another moment that I think we... 
were like exposed to was the up against the wall type of motif, Dude, right? Of those like those scenes seem so normal. It wouldn't even occur to me when right. I was a kid watching those in the, like the late eighties, early nineties to be like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa! I was just like, oh yeah, that's kind of what men do sometimes to really like show their swagger and like yeah, <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. Um, yeah, like we were. There were so many of those moments, and now that I see that, I'm like. Uh, like stop pushing women against other surfaces. You know what I mean? Yeah, like just, I promise you, they don't want that. They do not want that. Which leads me to my biggest point, which is the unsexiest moment, maybe ever. Um, <laughs> which is another push against a surface moment that happens <laughs> later in this movie, but it's against a fucking open refrigerator yes and- <laughs> i was like what is it? it's still winter time like who wants it's- to stand in front of a fridge like first of all i was like uh climate change close that refrigerator um, <laughs> second of all i was like it was okay so this happens later they they've grown closer but like that's fine um she's invited him over but she's still like they haven't had sex they there's still weirdness around sex going on and it is the most like just like oogie but like painful moment where the baby's asleep they've gone to a like country dance and now they're back home and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's approaching her but she's trying to like she's trying to like get wine like she's like she has things to do and he like awkwardly is cornering her and like sniffing her type of thing it's it's so gross yeah it's just gross and even when she finally does kind of be like like the the language leading up to it he's like you're not cold and she's like no and he's like yeah eh, you wanna you wanna and then she's like eh, okay um i know that wasn't very descriptive but that is actually the, <laughs> no, the dialogue it said everything it's, yeah that is the dialogue I have to point out is that like at this point, what, four years have passed in the movie? Three years? No, I wait, really? I thought it was like I a few weeks. So. No. Wait, what? How much How? time has passed in the movie? The baby hasn't aged. The baby That's my point. They yeah, do not okay. like I think years have passed in this movie. Like it takes a long what? time to start a brand. Dude, she starts a brand. She gets it sold in local stores. On top of that, then, she builds out a distribution chain to start getting it sold into, like, cities across the U.S. and then builds it into a fully national brand. Like, that is not happening in the space of a few months. Excuse me. you. On top of Um, that, we've seen them go through at least a few seasons. And I think, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I didn't get that at all. I thought it was, like, a few weeks. (laughs) Honestly, it's weird, too, that, like, as all this is going on, that baby is not aging at all. Okay, the baby's not aging, and then I guess presumably to build up, um, you know, the tension, uh, JC is not having sex, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. part of it, I guess, right? Um, yeah, I didn't get that temporal um, progression <laughs> at all. Okay. Um, and Maybe in my mind, made. well, I, you know, I don't have the same training as you, so I was just like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, she got <laughs> the baby food sold. Good, you know? So. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um,. But, but it becomes case. clear that's, like, what's going to bring her back to New York, though, because then she gets an offer from her old company saying they want to buy her, they want to acquire her brand. And right. so she goes back, and they make her an offer. First of all, they say something, they're like, we hope we can get over any um, lingering feelings from how things ended initially. And you're just like, uh, we don't no need to phrase things like that. To yeah. <laughs> um, um. And it's really interesting. There was a really nice touch, I thought, where... 
there was one woman in that boardroom who looked sort of like a sort of younger version of like Diane Keaton, who was just like super leaned in and like seemed like very sort of like uh, driven. And you saw like the cycle sort of continuing like visually. Yeah. yeah. And so they offered Diane Keaton $3 million up front. Plus, um, a, the shoot remain as COO of the brand. She would have um, a salary of 350k a year with a 150% um, like bonus um, should they exceed targets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's like, "Oh, let me think about it for a minute," and then leaves the room, comes back, and says, "No." Yeah. I, she's like, I like my life. I've got, I'm seeing this veterinarian. I love being in Vermont. Like, I don't want to move the baby. Um, so, no. Uh, I And this is something I can do myself. Right. Um, and it's clear that, uh, like, were she to... One thing I got mad about... Sorry, I got distracted by your your background. Um, sorry. Alarm, or ambulance thing. Sirens. Um, yes, thank you. That's the word. Um, I told you I'm getting dumber. Uh, okay. So just one other thing that pissed me off and this will be the last thing that pisses me off, but like the (laughs) fact that the veterinarian dude who has fucked her once suddenly feels the right to like have input about Uh, her business decisions and is like, I didn't know your company was for sale. And it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, like she's told you from day one, like I'm I'm interested in getting back to New York. I you know miss my former life, my lifestyle, and you know like where did this guy then get the right to? I know. You know and his line, I, his kiss off line is, well, I guess I won't be seeing you at bingo night then. Yes, and I was like, right, dude. Who the fuck wants to go to bingo night? Period. <laughs> um, exactly. Though actually. Like throughout college, my friends and I totally played bingo Stop all it. the time. No, we did the the fairgrounds. Um, because oh my god! Here's how it worked uh, at bingo: you didn't really win money; you won appliances. And so when Ryan oh, and I damn. were first married, we like didn't have a toaster, we didn't have a blender, or things like that. So we would like we would go to bingo oh quite god. often and try to obtain the necessary <laughs> appliances. <laughs> And we did. We actually, like, sometimes, like, our toaster still is from when we played bingo. Um, anyways, that's all besides the point. The point is this guy sucks. Uh, yes. And another thing that I think, like, supposedly gave him the right, like, in this movie's logic, but not in real logic, uh, is that Elizabeth the baby calls, like, after they, like, she sees him once, uh, calls him Dada. Right, and so... Ew, that was so weird. I know. Um, that's all to say, JC, Diane Kitten, turns down the offer, goes back to Vermont, is like, yeah, I'm staying, and, like, that's the end of the movie, right? Like, she's gonna raise this kid, marry the veterinarian, sell her country baby food, and there we go. She gets what she wants, I guess. Well, and the thing that's interesting to me, too, is that, like, I think there's a way in which we could talk about this as, uh, how to say it? It is a movie that's really trying to interrogate, to some degree, how women have to navigate the corporate workplace. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think there's a way you can say, too, that the movie is sort of 
at least maybe making a little clear or like amplifying is the degree to which introducing women and women's experiences into the corporate workplace also allows for just a larger revision of corporate life altogether you know because I, I look at this and i go in some ways this resonates so much with me like i go this is like there's so much about corporate life i feel like i'm not going to say as well i'm apologizing in advance there's so Don't much apologize. about corporate life that is so much wasted time and energy right where people are are killing themselves working crazy hours to get ahead and they're playing a game and obsessing over like What's their, um, you know, what's their reputation within the company? Who likes them? Who values them? Who's in line ahead of them? They need to take down, right? All these things. Like, those things absolutely happen all the time. Like, still very, very much. Like, there's no exaggeration to say everyone is sort of, like, playing that game. And to have someone stand at the, t- at the front of that boardroom and just look out over all those people who want her to come work with them again and to go, Why? Like, yeah. for what? For nah. what? <laughs> like, I think there's something that's such a huzzah moment because, like, that's exactly, like, the takeaway. I feel like after just even a handful of years in the corporate world, it's just like, in what world would I, I want to spend, like, a minute longer here than I have to? You know, like, it's almost like, to like, the bragging about, like, how many hours they work at the beginning of the movie, right? 70, mm-hmm. 80 hours a week. And that she's so desperate to become partner. To me, that's just, like, the furthest thing from how my brain works, where I assess mm. my life and I go, like, literally every other aspect of my life is more fun and interesting than working. So, like, mm. why would I, like, want, like, why in what world would I kill myself or obsess about, like, moving up a stupid chain that doesn't mean anything, you know? Right. It's so silly, you know? And I like that ultimately, like, the movie, like, that sort of, like, that the movie's slant at the end is is like a female empowerment moment because she ultimately says, like, I can do this myself. I don't need any of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also just, like, a nice reminder of just, like, there are possibilities for, like, success and thriving and happiness that are far outside of, like, having to attach oneself to a corporation and to kill themselves to make, like, tens of millions of dollars more for a company and, like, as an incremental, like, much smaller amount for yourself. Right. You know? It's like when the when her former boss, Fritz, says, I don't even know how many grandchildren I have. I was like, <laughs> that sucks like that. Exactly. <laughs> like, good, like, that sounds terrible. Um, so, yeah, I hear you on that. That's, yeah, I think that's, that is the redeeming message of the movie. It's just that because it was so weird about everything else, I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. So I, I gave it a frowny face in my notes. Okay. The one other thing I will say that I liked is that scene, as weird as it was, when she picks up the baby phone and she's like, connect me to, when she's in her Vermont cabin and she knows Um, she's, she's just, she's dreaming and missing the job and she's like, connect me to the international bank of whatever. You know what I mean? And like, I think like, yeah. That's the other thing, too, where I go, like, well, what does keep people, like, playing that stupid rat race? And it is, like, it does feel nice to have power and yeah. authority, you know what I yeah. mean? However limited that's that field is or whatever, like, I thought that was a really nice little, like, touch <laughs> or moment. I liked it. Okay. And All so right. I think overall, yeah, like, is it a good movie? Like, no, not really. Like, it's, it's, it's sloppy, and no offense to Nancy Myers, it's sloppy in ways a lot of her screenplays are. Um... Where it's, like, it could have benefited from just, like, a little more thoughtfulness and a little more, like, revision. Um, 
And, but I think like as our, the more we take on this sort of like project of thinking about like movies about like women in corporate spaces, the more I feel like we're validated in taking it on because I, it is like, it is to me, like, it's tough to have to realize like how much or how little has changed and also how so many of these conversations are still the same. And they're probably still the same because a lot of these movies are sort of not being terribly effective or nuanced in how they are sort of ossifying how we discuss these conundrums mm-hmm. like even like having it all i feel like we're watching that really become a full like permanent like coined term across these first couple of movies yeah um and again i wonder if we're going to see that definition change throughout the, mm-hmm. the season or if having it all is going to remain like this kind of constant notion that i guess a woman is like powerful uh self-satisfied in in her her position but also has like a fulfilling home life and also like you know stays under 120 pounds like you know like what the having it (laughs) all is is that is that definition going to shift or is it going to be is it going to be the same or i yeah i wonder you know is there hmm i'm struggling with this because I don't know what having it all is, right? Like, is it the Diane Keaton model? Like, where, you know, like, oh, I live, you know, kind of in the country, but I have a ton of money, I have this kid, I have this, you know, this dude that I fuck. Like, is that it? Or is it going to be something else? Like, like that's what I'm excited to see in this season. Well, and I think to that point, you bring up, like, a really great point, which is that I think one thing that's really interesting is that we've already seen some of this like ossification happen because having it all in nine to five was very different. It was more mm-hmm. like having it however the fuck you want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like Dolly Parton was young and married and and really just didn't seem to aspire to be like an executive, just wanted to have a balanced life. Jane yeah. Fonda didn't want to be in the workforce at all. She wanted to remarry and go back home. And then uh, Lily Tomlin wanted to be an exec. And she was older. She had like a almost adult kid or like high school, college level kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and seemed to really want to just like, pour herself into her like executive life. Right. And so like there was no definition of having it all because it was just more myriad, I guess. And I like And already it, I feel like it's been condensed by this movie's intervention. Yeah, I would prefer it to be like having it all is what you what you define as it all, right? Yeah. I, I like that better. Um Yeah, so we'll see. You know see. what I think too? Like the, as we like they just published a statistic, right? That oh, this was so sh- this was uh, not shocking. It was just like saddening that already the gender balance in like the corporate world is um widening because of covid because um a shocking amount of women have had to quit their jobs because they said it's just simply too much to be able to like perform really strongly in this role and like take care of kids now full time because there's no school there's no whatever you can't have nannies in and out and that it could very well be like a number of like a long time I don't I don't remember if it said months or years or whatever before we could actually just get back to the level we were at pre-quarantine you go like well yeah there's like a true timeliness and urgency to these like how we sort of like allow these narratives to circulate yeah that's such about like what are what are norm what are normal pressures that we should expect women to have to rise to you know right right oh that makes me so sad and it's I know yeah 
Oh, boy. Okay, well, anyways, that was us piecing, or not piecing, doing a play-by-play of Baby Boom, which, I mean... Baby like, Boom. I, th- I feel like we were we were very thorough, maybe too thorough, but... There the you go. only other thing I want to think about, and I don't, I, I think we're we're good that we can move on to like our own obsessions, but it's like I made a note for myself where I just said think more about the title, like why is it called Baby Boom? Oh, dude, I Especially, didn't even think about that. Yeah, like it's not really a baby boom, like it's an explosion, explosion of like multiple babies. You know, right. it's just like a single baby, and of course, like it's an echo of like what's already a coin term of like baby boomers as a generational sort of like. Um, category or mm-hmm. or name at least you know and so you go well and we're watching this sort of navigation or movement from the city into the suburbs which also tracks on to like a lot of the patterns of baby boomers and like i was like what a weird thing just hanging term, out there was that term there already like what's the history of that term do we know baby boomers like well, like, it's like a post-war term. Right? Yeah, to, but like, did it show like, up post-war? Like, were like were they actually saying that in like the the fifties and sixties? I don't know. It's a really good question. I don't I, know either. I mean, let's see. Hmm. Oxford English Dictionary. No, I'm just kidding. No, I do have. I know. I don't have my subscription anymore. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um. Oh, okay. The ba ba ba. Uh, early 50s. So the post-World War II population increase was described as a boom by various newspaper reporters um, as early as, like, 1951. So this movie did know that it was drawing on that term. Oh, and the first recorded use of baby boomer as a term is in January 1963. So, yeah, so this is, like, that's 25 years earlier. So they did know, like, yeah. I don't know what then the connection would be, right? Like, yeah. Hmm. All right. Anyway. Yeah, all right. There you go. Yeah, okay. There it is. There it is. So, Katie, though, I have to ask you, what are you obsessed with? So, um, I'm going to say, unfortunately, not a lot right now because of this stupid project I was bemoaning earlier. Um, but I have been allowing myself to play Persona again uh, at night. So, I think I'm just going to advocate that because um, have I talked about this game before? Persona. So So Persona is um, it's a Japanese game. It's an RPG where you are high school student who like goes to a new high school because you've gotten in trouble with the law, and it's like this really nice high school. um, But uh, at night you or you know like in your free time basically you are um, changing people's like evil people's hearts. So you enter like this evil palace with your friends. And you um, change their their hearts. So, like the first one, just as an example, um, you enter into this like mystical dream world of the high school coach who's a pedophile, and you like basically change his his heart so that he then, in the real world, admits that he's a horrible person. So, anyways, um, but it's 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 deep. But then also, you're also, like, during the day, just a normal high school student. And um, so you do things like... Okay, you have to me about this. Go to a library or, like, go, like, to a burger shack. Like, it's just, it's so weird, the, like, contrast between, like, the the heaviness of moments and then, like, the the triviality. Um, 
And so, but anyways, so every night I've been playing for, you know, like half an hour before I pass out. And um, it's funny because the way that this game is set up, because you're doing normal things, and, like, I, it just, like, kind of bleeds into my real world in certain ways so that, like, I, like, was telling Ryan, I was like, in this game, people are so mean to you. And I was, like, getting sad <laughs> because, like, as you're adopting this character's role, like, people are talking bad about you. Like, there's online rumors about you. <laughs> like, it's just, like, oh, damn. it's, it's, it's enfolding. It's, it's a very, like, like, all-encompassing type of game. Um, so anyways, yeah, I've just been playing. And I got the, like, newest version, so it has the extended... Like, there are more things to do and all that. Mm -hmm. It's one of the greatest RPGs out there. Uh, and it's it really is, like, all-consuming. But I've been limiting myself to 30 minutes um, because Dude, otherwise... it's so hard. Yeah. Otherwise, it would just... It would suck away my life. Um, yeah. So, anyways, Persona 5, highly, highly recommend if you needed a PlayStation game that would... Um, affect your psyche, <laughs> but, <laughs> but also be fun to play. Um, so yeah, that's my obsession right now as like my one like valve basically while I try to finish the project. Um, but anyway, Sam, what is Love what it. is your obsession? I have two, um, both books, like two really great books I read um, over the last couple of weeks. So one is Olga Takrochuk's, um it's sort of like this philosophical mystery novel called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. Um, it's, it's a long-ass title. a Polish title. novel, I know, with a very <laughs> Polish-seeming, like, very dour <laughs> title. But it's actually um, a fragment from, um, oh, shit, what's his name? Oh, have I already forgotten? Uh, William Blake. Okay. Um, and so it's great. It's about this sort of, like, old cranky woman who lives... On this plateau, this sort of like remote, sort of like smaller, like rural village or community in somewhere in uh, near the border of Ukraine. Um, okay. No, sorry, near the border of uh, the Czech Republic. Okay. Oh God, I'm so nervous. I was, I definitely <laughs> have that wrong. <laughs> uh, but in Poland, um, and kind of one by one, a bunch of people in the community are being killed, and so. She's sort of thinking through why this is happening, where it, you know, what's causing this to happen, all this stuff, mm. while also just ruminating on her own life and on getting older. It's just amazing. It's so good. The writing's so good. Um, huh. It's very reflective, but the mystery's fun. Um, and the character's just such a great character. So, highly all recommend. Right. And then the sort of um, fun and slightly pulpier one is a book I was listening to on Audible called Mexican Gothic by Sylvia okay. Moreno-Garcia. Um, she had written this um, sci-fi fantasy novel that had been recommended to me a couple of times a year or so ago called Gods of Jade and Shadow. I've never read. But I, I saw the title and I got interested, so I jumped to this one instead. And it is sort of like... It's, it takes like this sort of classic European or English like gothic novel and then just sort of recasts it through the filter of sort of like Mexican culture and Mexican history and colonial history and uh, the, the different sort of just like gender and class dynamics uh, mm. there. 
and it's so good and so fun and creepy and um uh, i really enjoyed it i listened to it and it was like the narration was great so highly recommend that hmm. um those are kind of my two obsessions and with like Lovecraft Country, which is a book I really loved getting adapted um, and getting amazing reviews. I really cannot wait to see it next week. Um, I'm hoping that this book gets adapted too, because I think it would be a really good like HBO miniseries. Sweet. Those sound really interesting and way more like intellectual than <laughs> like, <laughs> like anything that I'm doing. So, so that's great. Cool. Um, okay, so we've done Baby Boom. We've done nine to five. And what do we got next week? Let me look at my list. We got Working Girl. Working Girl. Never seen Working Girl. Super oh. excited. I, I saw think... it once like it was like a Sunday afternoon kid. I watched it or Sunday afternoon movie. I watched it as a kid and I loved it. So I cannot wait to see it again. I think I could be wrong, but I think this is the one that Darlene said was based <sighs> off of her life. So What? I think she she was joking, but still. <laughs> I want to know, but I want to know more about like why she relates so much to this movie. Yeah, so I have you have no to idea. ask her after you see the movie. Yeah, I will. I definitely will. So, um, all right, that's it for this week, and we should sign off. We should all do that. right. See you next week. Bye.